This is the Yahoo Finance Sportsbook Podcast. Okay, welcome back to Yahoo Finance Sportsbook. We now have the matchup in place for Super Bowl 53. Can you hear the joy and delight in my voice? It's the New England Patriots versus the LA Rams after two incredible games. My goodness, what a championship game weekend. Both games going to overtime, both just terrific. Uh, You know, I had a lot of friends who were basically admitting to me whether they hate the Patriots or not, that if you were a neutral fan, that is, neither of those teams were your teams, you have to admit, a great game. A thrilling, exciting game. I'm talking about the AFC game, but really both of them. uh, I mean, one for the record books. You know, we all remembered the Monday night football game this season that was Rams-Chiefs, that people were saying, wow, that was like the best Monday night football game ever. That was so incredible, and that could be the Super Bowl matchup. It isn't the Super Bowl matchup, but I would say that this AFC championship game rivals that game for sure uh total shootout so many thrills and chills and not quite the same controversy of course as the saints rams game now has and will forever have over that pi no call and we can chat about that a little but just last week we were chatting with jay busby of yahoo sports about what might happen what the matchup might be now we know the matchup and it's in place so the next logical business question becomes super bowl ticket interest what does the matchup mean for ticket prices if you're listening and you're contemplating getting in and trying to go to the game this is the interview for you i have with me the ceo of tickpick.com secondary ticketing market site his name is brett goldberg hey brett thanks for having me hey thanks for coming in uh, so let's just get right into it in terms of prices. You know, we had you on one of our live shows last week when we didn't know the Super Bowl matchup yet. And you guys at your website had a really interesting price predictor tool where you could pick which team you think will win and you could see what that is likely to do to ticket prices. Now, at that time, it looked like the best matchup for prices, and I guess depends what you mean by best, because best meaning highest prices, was going to be Saints. Chiefs, Saints, Patriots. Okay. And now we know that it's Rams, Patriots. So what are you seeing in terms of demand? What does this mean for for prices? The Rams fans coming from L.A., that's that's clearly a bad thing from a ticket sales perspective. Mm. Really long trip. And then that fan base really only been around for a couple of years. If you're a St. Louis Rams fan, this is no longer relevant to you anymore. Patriots have been to the Super Bowl so many times. So the people who make this an annual event... They're still going to go, but they know how this all works. They're not jumping on buying tickets the day of or the hour that they won. So we actually saw our Super Bowl sales down year over year on you know, this kind of the last 48 hours, uh, down about 30 to 40 percent because the Eagles fans last time got so excited, they immediately buy, buy tickets, totally book their plans. Patriots fans are like, chill, I know this. We think ticket price is going to go down. We're going to wait. I've been getting emails of, do you think $2,500 get-in is reasonable? We're at... 3200 give or take right now um, and my answer to that is yeah I actually do think that's pretty reasonable I think given how many times the Patriots have been to the Super Bowl probably the lack of demand from the Rams fans that it will be one of the least desired Super Bowl tickets from a fan base probably since 2014. Wow so there's a lot to unpack there it's really interesting first of all I want to make sure we define our terms so get in price the lowest price you're currently seeing on your site, which is, a you know, people are reselling tickets. It's a secondary site, and that includes fees and everything. That's correct. So on TickPick, we show all in pricing. So our get-in price is what it will cost you total. Uh, can't really say that same for most other marketplaces. Some of them will have a button that will say show all in pricing and, right. and whatnot. But up front, you want to really make sure you're comparing apples to apples. So on StubHub, I think give or take, they're around 3900 on their get-ins. And we are recording this on Tuesday, I should note. So right now you said 3200 for get-in. So someone was asking, is 2500 reasonable? 
And if you say yes, does that mean basically, you know, and, and who knows what could happen, but you don't really expect the get-in, the lowest price, to drop much below, say, 2500 Unless, I guess, you have the stones, as we often discuss, to wait till like two days before? The big drop, the biggest drop is not even the two days before. And so that's where it gets tough. When I looked at last year's sales, it was actually pretty consistent. We, we saw some bumps going up into the weekend. So we got down to around 2800 2900 in sales. Uh, and then we got back above the 3,000 hurdle. And then it really wasn't until day of, and it wasn't at 11, 12 o'clock. It was really like 3 o'clock. Then if you're holding on to tickets, you've, you've got to get rid of them. Your average fan, no one's really waiting until 3 o'clock to decide to go to the game at that point. So could it go below 2,500 at that point? For sure. I wouldn't really say that's a fair barometer because that's not in 99% of the people that want to go are not going to wait till 3 o'clock. It's really interesting what you say about how the Pats, it's almost a problem that they're there so often because the fans have been there, done that. They know too much. That's that's really funny. And actually, I remember talking to you a year ago, but a little bit before now, when the championship games hadn't happened yet. And the story was that Vikings fans, because they were so excited, so pumped up, it was already so unlikely that they had made it this far, uh, I think, if I remember correctly, bought a ton of tickets and then were dumping them like crazy after the Vikings lost the NFC championship game. That's right. So, uh, And then, of course, last year, as you say... Um, you know, the Eagles fans kind of did the opposite. The, the minute the Eagles were in, they bought like crazy because of that thrill. And I guess for a lot of the Pats fans, yeah, they've been there, done that, which sounds a little sad, but to me, I'm as excited as ever. For the Vikings game that you reference, ticket prices started around, I think, 4100 at the start of the Vikings-Eagles game. And Vikings started with that touchdown kickoff the game. We saw prices go up to about 4900 <sighs> And then they were, they were, you know, then the Eagles obviously took a pretty big lead and prices dropped below $4,000 all during the game. It was like unheard of, the type of wow. swings. Uh, yeah, if, if Vikings went in, we may have seen prices above Super Bowl 2015. We could have been seeing six, $7,000 get in prices. Yeah, that's, that's wild. And it's so funny how the, the fan base kind of influences that. Um, I mean, for me, I actually think it makes sense about been there, done that, not only knowing the right strategy, but even maybe less interest. And that doesn't mean less interest in watching the game or less excitement about the team being there. But, you know, let's use me as a personal example, a useful example. I went in 2015. It was my first and only Super Bowl that I've been to. I went as a fan, to be clear. I'm a Patriots fan. Uh, you know, obviously incredible game. I got to see a great win. Now, my brother and my dad had gone in 08 and were there, unfortunately, for the Tyree catch and the Giants winning and devastating. And even though I know people say... You know, oh, it's about the experience, and even if your team loses, it would be great. I feel like it would suck to go to the Super Bowl and see your team lose. So I almost feel that even if I have a chance to go again, whether it's this year or, or another time, I almost like don't want to go again because I have this perfect memory of the one time I went and everything was so perfect. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I guess I understand that. And then you know, it happens that that year, 2015, was the year that you always talk about as this like weird anomaly year with ticket price sales. Tell me about that because I'm not sure if the average uh, listener knows about that, and it's really interesting what, what happened that year with prices. I think some of it started from the year before, which was the Super Bowls in, in New York, uh, 2014. Seahawks were in, and going into that weekend, the demand was pretty soft. That's tough to say if you know there was thoughts that around the New York tri-state area there was going to be huge demand from the locals, which really never ended up happening. Wow. 
partly because there's MetLife and it's like, okay, I'm not getting on a train for two hours to get yeah, it's there. Yeah, New York, right. It's kind of like what we talked about uh, on air, how Levi Stadium is the San Francisco 49ers, but it's really not in San Francisco. Exactly. And so that weekend, we were selling some tickets below $2,000. Wow. And so I think the president of Super Bowl tickets going below those types of prices in the weekend led to the next year them starting at very, very low prices. So going into those championship games, uh-huh. we were selling tickets at $2,100. Seahawks end up winning. Demand skyrockets. There's been all these sales that were at extremely low prices. And, and for the Seahawks fans, their Phoenix is the equivalent of New York's Florida. So they have family there, travel's easy there. And everyone said, I'm going no matter what at that point. Uh, and so ultimately, it was kind of the week of StubHub was somewhat concerned that they had orders that weren't going to get fulfilled because prices started skyrocketing, and they went and bought virtually all the tickets that were available to make sure that they could fill. Uh, and so the likes of TickPick and, and numerous other marketplaces, at that point, there was really no tickets left. We, we ended up filling about 80-plus percent of all of the orders, and the other 20 percent, we said, hey, there's virtually no tickets. And we started calling people and saying, like, we know you have your travel plans already booked. We want to buy you out of your tickets. What can we do? Paid for their airfare, their travel, gave them 200%, and, and ended up working out really well for us. I mean, it costs a lot of money, obviously, but, uh, you know, I can't say the same for everyone else. Uh, but, yeah, we got ahead of it. Uh, the things have changed dramatically since then in that you don't pay out sellers beforehand. You have yeah. different agreements. We have money in escrow for most of the sellers. So if prices move in the wrong direction, you make – brokers end up paying you money and put that into escrow. So so things are entirely different. And now in this game, the demand just isn't there either. Uh, so things have changed a lot. Yeah. And it's interesting to think that the demand was so high instantly in 2015 from Seahawks fans because they had just seen a win. And you would think, well, so maybe there's that too, that that kind of softens it. But I guess probably after the low demand for 2014, a lot of Seahawks fans that didn't get to go, now they said, wow, we're back again for a second year and now's my chance to go. And then, of course, oh, too bad, because they went and saw a loss. But, you know, this year with the Patriots, you have the opposite thing, which is last year we went, we lost. This year we're back. So maybe based on that logic, maybe you see some bump from Pats fans who, who wouldn't always jump to go, but maybe it's like, okay, this is the redemption year. I think the Pats fans probably break down into two buckets, the people who haven't gone that want to go to their one Super Bowl, and then the people who go every year, and it's not that big of a deal, three, $4,000, which, you know, to, to the normal person, that's a, a ton. But if you could afford three or $4,000 one year, then maybe two, three, four years, it's not that big of a deal. And you go, no matter what, I'm going to go be at that game. Uh, I think it would, it would be interesting if there was some dynamic of retirement. I know there's odds out there, but it doesn't really seem like there's anything going on at that front. Yeah, that would be an interesting story to break that down or, or even the age demographic of who's buying. But um, let me ask you to, to drill down, you know, because because of the website you run, you you know kind of the drill and you know a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that I think the average person wonders about. One question I have is how many of the tickets for a Super Bowl are actually being made available to a normal fan? I mean, kind of like with a concert, so much of the tickets are to special interest parties, right? I mean, there are suites that either go to corporations for hospitality and then, of course, players get a couple tickets that they can use or dish out or... And they're not supposed to resell them, but in some cases, a lot of times they do, or staff members, you know, and then, of course, there's the teams are probably given some tickets or the team owners. So a team like the Patriots, you know, if you're a winning team, you get about 17.5% of the ticket allocation for the for the Super Bowl. And so the Patriots have a very systemized way of distributing that to fans. I believe it's if you're a season ticket holder for every seat you have, 
uh, every year you've been a season ticket holder, you get an entry into their giveaway. Mm. Uh, well, it's not a giveaway. You still have to pay for right. it, but you're paying face value. You're just value. being given the chance to buy them. Correct. So that's very systemized. They've been through this a lot. Uh, you know, they, the Patriots can control how they want to allocate that inventory. So they may end up doing their own packages or distributing to resellers in a certain way to get that into the open market. That stuff's a little bit hard to know exactly what they're doing or really any other team is doing. Uh, there's a company called Prime Sport, which was bought by NFL on location. And since Super Bowl 2015, they've really tried to change the distribution and take a little bit more control. And to their credit, they've done a pretty good job. And so they grabbed back inventory that was going to each of the individual teams. So each individual team gets about a percent now, 1.2%, I believe, uh, of the allocation. Uh, and so each one of those teams can give it to their own sponsors. You mean teams their... that aren't in the game? Yeah, exactly. Oh, I see. So that's, I think, 30-something percent. That's given a 35%, I believe. Uh, and so each one of those teams can then decide what they want to do. When they redid the contract, they grabbed back some of that inventory so that the NFL headquarters had a bit more control on that distribution. And then in that, they then gave a lot of that inventory to NFL on location and said, you do this centrally located, control this piece. Uh, you're not selling them at face value. They're selling them in packages. It's a, I believe it's around 10,000 tickets, give or take. So it's a pretty big piece of the pie. And regular fans can buy those tickets. Uh, the pricing, I'd say, is at a pretty big premium because of that package that they're selling and et cetera. Right. Uh, that stuff is all kind of open and uh, public. I think it starts getting more complex. You talked about the players. You know, every player in the NFL. Is it NFL? It's, I think every player on each team gets two, and then if you're a star, you can get up to 15 tickets, right? The and, teams that are in it. Yeah, the teams that are wow. in it. And then... You know, there's a lot of different inventory to the sponsors and things that make it up into the open market that get onto TickPick. It sounds like a, you know, graduation when you have college graduation <laughs> and, and you have more relatives and you have a friend who you know only has his dad coming and so you're like, can I have one of your tickets? Uh, you know, I would think that most of the players in it use their two tickets for family, but I guess if they're not going to use them, hey. You know. The one thing I'd say is a lot of people are like, well, how do I know if I'm getting real tickets? And it's like. If you're getting Super Bowl tickets, you're, you're getting real tickets. You, you look at them, the NFL does it purposely in, in delaying the distribution of those tickets for as long as possible. So no one sees what they look like until mm. about a week or two. Well, so now it would be about three to four weeks in advance. There's thermal ink on the back of them. The holograms are incredibly accurate. There's certain laser cuts into the ticket. So if you're getting a Super Bowl ticket, it, it's a real ticket. So uh, can you not enter the Super Bowl with a mobile phone pass? Like you need the physical object. They've been testing. So last year we had a handful of tickets that ended up being mobile. Uh, that's a very small test. At some point they probably want to get there because yeah. that's the whole movement of the NFL. It's all mobile entry now at this point. I do think that Super Bowl is, is just different, right? Everyone wants yeah. that ticket. Well, that too. It's a, it's a, it's a souvenir item. Uh, they'll, they'll get there on the security pieces, on the mobile pieces. But there's still risk on, on the mobile entry, on, you know, there could be issues on the mobile entry, mm, right. and that and that's not the there's a problem with the ticket. It's a problem with the technology as well. Mm. Uh, when you say that the NFL since 2015 has taken a little more control of the ticket supply, does that hurt and crowd out secondary sites like you guys? So last year we saw no impact. Our sales have been increasing every year. This year, we've seen a slight decrease. Uh, and I know they have reported that they have had an increase, so I do think they have a larger sales team. They're doing a better job getting in front of the corporate buyers in advance. 
Uh, I think this year is really more of a demand side piece, particularly now the Rams being in. Uh, so it's, it's tough to say. There's a, there's a lot of moving pieces, but I, I do think they have done a good job in general. Yeah. Um, you mentioned last week, I, I brought up, you know, and I brought up on this podcast, the, the example of Levi Stadium and uh, it's not ideal for fans. And I think a lot of fans probably, if they don't do their homework, they think, oh, it's San Francisco and they get a hotel room in San Francisco and then they realize how far it is. Uh, you have said, or you said last week that Atlanta is, is great for a Super Bowl. Along with Atlanta, what are some of the other host cities of the last few years that, you know, that's perfect and at least, you know, forget the matchup for a minute, at least in terms of the location, it's, it's ideal for ticket sales. It's interesting because Minneapolis, the talks I heard of Vance was, it sucks. No one wants to go too there. Cold. Too cold. And when I landed, I felt like I was in a different country. So I, I, <laughs> But it made it amazing. That city is relatively small that the NFL and Super Bowl was able to take over the city. Ah. So you felt like you were, you were at a destination for Super Bowl. You come to a city like New York and you put it in Times Square, it, there's nothing. Yeah. One uh, of many things happening. Yeah. <laughs> and then when it was in San Francisco... You know, the venue, to your point, is not in San Francisco. They had multiple different spots of where the Super Bowl headquarters kind of was. Uh, when I think about Phoenix, the same thing. You had two different cities. You had Phoenix and Glendale. So you didn't have that kind of central location next to the stadium. I haven't seen a, a city like Atlanta where it's going to be this good for that fan experience of you could be in the Super Bowl. I think they call it the Super Bowl experience, and they've got this kind of city that they make around that. And you can walk to the stadium, which is going to be less than probably about a quarter mile from there to the stadium. So that's just a great fan experience. And even for locals, everything's concentrated into the downtown area. It's going to be very cool. Yeah. And, you know, when I went, I mean, Phoenix was great as well. Um, I recently went to a Titans game in, in Nashville, and I don't know off the top of my head if or when the Super Bowl was ever there, but that strikes me as another city that would be a great host because you have this bridge, and it's a walking-only bridge, no cars, and it brings you right from the big main drag with all the bars straight to the stadium. I mean, that would be a great Super Bowl stadium, although I'm sure, you know, we see that the NFL pretty much wants to have it at new stadiums. Like, whenever a new stadium opens, you also get to host the Super Bowl in the next three years. Um, so perhaps they view the Titan Stadium as too old. But To your point, I, I go to the CMA Music Fest in, in Nashville, and so it's absolutely awesome because you head yeah. to the bars first, you walk across that bridge. When it ends up, you don't when, it, when it's over, you don't need to kind of fight for an Uber. You walk right. across the bridge and you head to the bars. That would be a great city as well. Yeah, it's so sweet. Um, let's zoom out a little bit, and let me ask you, you know, obviously, a year ago, the story around the NFL uh, was, you know, the ratings are down, Trump is angrily tweeting and criticizing the league, the NFL has a political problem on its hands, why is interest down, the games aren't good, which is another, you know, insult to injury, and now this year, the narrative has completely changed. Uh, the ratings, of course, this past weekend were terrific, because they were great games, but the ratings were, were up for the whole season. Tell me about kind of... Uh, secondary ticket purchase interests this season for the regular season. Did you see a bump? Any interesting call-outs or data points? It, it's tough for us to isolate NFL because our sales are growing because we're a startup, and so our sales grew about, about 50% across the board. NFL was close to being in line. It's probably slowed down in the, in the scheme of, of all of our growth, uh, but the NFL for us is still the, the largest and, and biggest driver of ticket sales on a single league uh, across the board. And so we've never seen or have not seen since we've been doing this since 2011 any slowdown for the NFL interest. Mm. Yeah, I mean, a, a larger narrative that people have pushed for years, and I, I don't think it's unfair to point to, but I also think it's kind of been exaggerated, is the idea that you know the experience of watching a game at home now is so good 
that uh, you know, you're just going to see interest wane to go to games in person. It's so expensive, the transport, then a beer is $10. It's like you could sit on your couch and it's your home and it's your bathroom and it's so much more comfortable. And yet, I just think for certain events, it's still the case that people want to go. I think we've seen that. Um, tell me a little bit about that. Where do you see that going in the next five years? And I mean, I know you mentioned to me that you've been surprised by uh, the, the boost in ticket sales for World Series recently. Right. I think you do have a little bit of the has and have nots, particularly MLB. You look at some of the teams, and there are a handful of teams. I think it was the Tampa Bay Rays. They're they're cutting off the the upper part of their field, so they're going to only sell the lower seats, which I think is like thirty thousand seats. Uh, one of the stories that's been coming out this last year has been a, a decrease in prices on concessions. So I think there are stadiums and teams that are aware there's a that is a reason why someone's not going to go, and that does not need to be as much of a profit center for these teams, and that is going to make a change. If, if all of a sudden you start stop thinking that that hot dog is going to cost you $10, and it's like, hey, it's actually a good deal, and I go to the game. I was even thinking about for the Knicks, the last time I went, just a couple of weeks ago, we watched half the game, and we're hanging out for the other half, and that's been a little bit of the movement that we've seen in the new stadiums build-outs, which is it's more of an experience I just want to be in the building. I don't care as much about my seats, but it's a social experience. It's, it's a going out experience. And I think you're going to continue to see that movement happening. Well, it's very funny you say that about being in the building because notably, and this was already months and months ago, but the Golden State Warriors added a, a, a package where you pay a certain amount to get into the stadium, but you don't have a seat. Right. And people at first, the way that was reported and tweeted about was like, this is insane and ridiculous and this is peak absurdity. But, but you're right. I mean, if it's an experience and you're basically still getting to say, oh, look, I'm at, I'm at the game. Then you start to see why some people might enjoy it, especially if you're with friends and it's a group and you just sit at the bar and you're watching the game. Yeah, when the when the Knicks renovated MSG, they did a pretty good job. Well, I shouldn't say the Knicks. When Madison Square Garden renovated, uh, they had the Chase Bridge that they built out and they had certain sections that were more social. They have not started selling standing room. The start of that was bar seats. So it was yeah. that was kind of the start of that movement. It's continuing to see the Dallas Cowboys selling standing room. And then you talk about World Series, teams realize there's so much demand. People just want to be in the building. Let's sell a standing room ticket. Totally. And speaking of standing room, uh, when I went to the Super Bowl in 2015, the tickets that we had, and I'm not sure we even realized this ahead of time, but it was great. We were on the field level in the end zone. So about half the game was awesome. Um, And we didn't have sit-down seats. We had a, a, a little standing table. So we stood the whole game. But that was really cool. I mean, you certainly, it's a Super Bowl. You're not tired, and it was such an exciting game. We never thought, oh, if only I could sit right now. And then, you know, in that section we were in, there's a, you know, attendant walking around with a big plastic bucket of beers. So that, that was a great experience to me. I mean, I, in a way, it was better than having sit-down seats on the 50-yard line because it was just kind of the, the thrill of it. I still remember you telling me that because I believe that wherever you were getting your tickets from at that point, there was no tickets left. Oh, that's funny. And they had to make improvisions or, you know, they had to improvise and figure out how to make more seats. And that's, oh, that's my really read of that situation. Yeah, that's worked. how bad it was, but it, worked just but it ended up being great. Yeah. Um, it's funny when you mentioned some stadiums now doing, you know, the, the cheaper food prices, because I, I went to Atlanta right before uh, that stadium opened, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and we did a cool video, you can find it on Yahoo Finance, about how dirt cheap the food prices are there insanely cheap and you know and I'm the last to ever want to do like a rah-rah anything corporate or positive you know oh isn't this so great kudos to the team and yet it is amazing I mean it's remarkable you, you walk up to one of the food counters with ten dollars in cash you can get three hot dogs and a beer and get change I mean that's how that's low insane. the food prices are it's yeah. insane and 
you know, we, we interviewed like the head of you know, food or something at the stadium, and he was basically saying, we are trying to bring about a sea change in the experience. Now, of course, they still have premium places where you're going to pay $12 for a barbecue pulled pork sandwich or something, and they have craft beers where you can pay $11 for one beer. But many, many, many of the food stands there, you can get a $2 hot dog, and that's wild. Uh, I'm waiting to see if, if many other stadiums follow suit. I mean, of course, still at Yankee Stadium, it's the completely opposite story. Right. But look, you're talking about it, right? So, so it's worked. And people in the local areas are going to talk about that as well. So it's no longer a chore in this, oh, my God, I want to go to these games, but I'm going to end up spending more on the food than I do on tickets. That's what we hear, particularly on baseball. Right. Ugh, yeah, totally. And I will say, having gone to that stadium, it is a great stadium. Uh, the only knock I'd say is I noticed from going there and doing that video, there's no real tailgate area. You can't tailgate uh, at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. You know, you go to Gillette. You're out there in the boonies, and so there's a gigantic parking lot, and you can tailgate. Same at the Titans game, people are, are tailgating. There's no real space for that in, in the Atlanta setup. I don't know it well enough, but I, I know because I stare at Google Maps a lot, and they did build out a field that's a very nice public field, and so it's interesting they chose to do something that was more for the community itself, and I'm sure that's part of the deal, where it, it is beautiful, and it is this area for families, and I think there's certain sports things that go along with that. So. I guess they had a sacrifice for the uh, eight home games to uh, give give the city something a little better. Right. Um, Brett, because we have you, you know, you are the CEO of a ticketing site, and you guys don't just do sports. Uh, what is your favorite or a couple of your favorite live events that you've gone to in the last couple of years, sports or otherwise? I know you do concerts. You guys have other things. I mean, hockey, to me, is one of the more exciting live sports. So if you can go to a Rangers-Islanders game, you know, good luck not getting a beer spilled on you. But, uh, <laughs> but, but those games are always great. And then I think it's kind of finding the you – know, everyone talks about how expensive concerts are, and they are if you want to go see, uh, you know, a Lady Gaga or an Elton John. But if you Taylor find Swift, yeah. Or Taylor Swift. But if you find certain artists before they blow up, to me there's nothing better than seeing them in a Beacon Theater or Hammerstein uh, and so, like, we saw Hozier. My wife and I saw uh, Hozier at Beacon Theater, which was an awesome concert. We saw Ed Sheeran yeah, before perfect. he blew up. Uh, so that's what I try to, to find and see, oh, okay, this person's going to blow up. And yeah. you get to see it, you know, for face value, no problem. And, and they put on an incredible show because they have so much to, to kind of prove as well. Yeah, that's true. And we have had a lot of great experiences like that for country shows. You know, we like country singers and... You know, we went to see Chris Stapleton three years ago in Forest Hills in Queens. Yep. That is an extremely cool venue. You know, it used to be a, a tennis court, and um, they still do, I think they still do tennis there sometimes. I think yeah. so. Um, but they have just, you know, it's and it's in the middle of the suburbs. You know, you get up there, and you don't feel like you're in New York City. It's like there are beautiful houses all around, and it's quiet. You have to be quiet when you leave. So Forest Hills in Queens. And then, uh, yeah, you're right about seeing them at a cool, intimate venue, because uh, we just got tickets to see Marin Morris, another country singer, at uh, Brooklyn Steel, which is a, a new, nice. newish venue in New York. Very cool and intimate. So the path for these artists to go from these small venues to the large venues is, is somewhat crazy because Chris Stapleton was, I think, just at MSG recently. Oh, I mean, now he's huge. And huge. so quickly you go from selling out a Terminal Five to making it to MSG and headline like a you know weekend comes to mind. I'm, I'm looking at all the headlines now in the festivals, and you've got Post Malone. Uh, and Travis Scott, and you know, I mean, no shots at them. I actually like their music, but where were they two years ago? And now right. they're headlining every single festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it comes out of nowhere with uh, those rap artists. Well, really interesting. Uh, we will track prices, and I'm sure I'll get an update from you in a week, and we'll see what they do right before the game. But uh, go Pats! Uh, that's only me saying that. Thank you so much, Brett Goldberg, CEO of TickPick. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. 
Okay, that is this week's Yahoo Finance Sportsbook. I uh, hope everyone is excited about the Super Bowl. Really interesting to think about what uh, the prices might do and how they might fluctuate as we get closer to the game. Uh, when all of you hear this, we'll be a little over a week out from the game. So I hope everyone enjoys it, but you will hear from us at Sportsbook once more before the big day. And we come out every Thursday. Remember that you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on any podcast platform. Okay, thanks. Goodbye. Goodbye.